watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. And this is the sixth installment in our series, 80s Indies. Today, we'll be discussing a killer film, 1986's River's Edge. I figure once you start fighting, you're always defending yourself. Me? I get in a fight. I go fucking crazy, you know? Everything goes black. And then I fucking explode, you know, like it's the end of the world. And who cares if this guy wastes me? Because I'm going to waste him first. I mean, the whole world's going to blow up anyway. I might as well keep my pride. I got this philosophy. You do shit. And it's done. And then you die. You got any more beer? River's Edge, directed by Tim Hunter and starring Keanu Reeves, Crispin Glover, and Dennis Hopper, follows a group of teenagers in a Northern California town who are forced to deal with their friend's murder of his girlfriend Jamie and the subsequent disposal of her body. Mm. Yeah, River's Edge. This is uh, kind of a hard one to pin down Mm -hmm. uh, for sure, but we're going to try to dive in here and see what we can figure out about this one. Yes. Um, So plot-wise, story-wise, the film... Starts off with uh, an image of a child who we later find out to be Tim, who is, he, I guess he's like a preteen, a little mm-hmm. bit younger than a teen, mm-hmm. and uh, he's, he's by the river, and he throws a doll in into the river, and he watches it go, go down, which is, you know, obviously very symbolic for what's about to happen, um, and from there, we hear this painful wail, and we don't know, like, it's almost like a scream, and we don't know what it is, and uh, this is when we, we first see... Uh, the main character, Samson, uh, and he is just sitting by the edge of the river, uh, River's Edge, and he is just crying and wailing. And at, at the same time, right off the bat, we are introduced to a stark image of a deceased young woman's naked body, and she's laying next to him. So that's how the movie begins. So that's, that's a hell of a beginning. Yeah, pretty, jar- really, pretty jarring right away. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right really, in it. Really kicks things off. And... It, it certainly reminded me of the opening to Twin Peaks mm-hmm. the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has that same small town murder thing going on. <laughs> uh, and obviously the, the dead woman's body in the water. Um, though obviously this one is not as Lynchian. But it, it definitely has its own, uh, I would say, offbeat and sometimes uh, quirky vibe. Would although, you agree with that? Yes, although since it came yeah. up already, um, fun production fact, this movie was lensed by Frederick Elms, who is David Lynch's longtime cinematographer who shot mm-hmm. Razorhead and Blue Velvet, and mm-hmm. also Valley Girl, um, right. as oh, we yeah. already talked Makes about yep. in, the, in yep. this series. So I think mm-hmm. if there is some of a David Lynch feel, it's probably coming from the camera, maybe more than anything else. That makes a lot of sense. And and Tim Hunter, the director of this film, mm-hmm. um, he didn't go on to do much after this. Um, we're going to talk about him a little bit later on, but he did direct a, a couple episodes of Twin Peaks, I believe, mm-hmm. as well. So there, there are some connections here and obviously some Lynch connections with the cast. Yes. And I, I definitely want to talk about the cast of this movie because mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, I mentioned the offbeat and somewhat quirky vibe of the movie. And I think a lot of that has to do with the cast. Mm-hmm. And the actors, um, great cast of characters here inhabiting this town. And they kind of make the movie what it is to me. Mm-hmm. Like when I, when I think of this movie, I think immediately of the cast. Um, and so we have Keanu Reeves as Matt. Uh, and he's sort of like the doubtful one, the one who, who um, I, I would say out of all the characters, maybe feels the most conflicted about 
what's going on. Um, we have Keon, uh, sorry, we have Crispin Glover, mm-hmm. who is Lane, uh, Matt's friend, and he takes a very different turn in, in how he handles mm-hmm. what's going on. And uh, Crispin Glover is just Crispin Glover, but we'll talk about him too. And of course, we can't forget Dennis Hopper as mm-hmm. Feck. 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 I'm going to be saying Feck a lot mm-hmm. uh, in, during this podcast, and uh, it's a hell of a name and hell of a character. He's, he's really out there. Mm-hmm. But again, just these are the, the things that make this movie memorable, and I think make it a cult movie because uh, the type of story it is, you could see it as a, you know, like an Oscar winner, like contender or something like that. You know, you could see it as a very mainstream type film. But the way this movie is handled, uh, it's just very offbeat. And mm-hmm. um, I'm going to keep using that word, too, probably. Because yeah. uh, and a lot of it is the way um, not only that it's acted, but also just the story itself is very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit more. So right off the bat, another thing I want to say is that thing that makes this film stand out a lot to me is that the tone is very, um, it, it goes kind of back and forth. And I, yep. I think we talked about this a little bit, Jeremy, before we started recording mm-hmm. today, about you weren't really sure of the tone of the film a lot of the time. Um, and that's because a lot of the time it's, it's very nonchalant, mm-hmm. but then also there's these very serious moments. And I think it's that kind of juxtaposition uh, between the everyday teenage antics that we see and the the dark and complicated, more adult events like the murder, obviously, that make this movie unique and uh, would make it stand out. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that that was the thing because this is the first time I watched this movie, which always exciting to get to watch mm-hmm. something new for the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I had a really hard time placing the tone with this one, which was really intriguing um, be, because I, I couldn't tell, you know, because especially with these teenagers, um, you know, they're, they're seeing the body and everything for the first time. And the, the response is so casual. And my first thought was having not seen it. And I, I really, I try when I see a new film to really not research it ahead of time. I like to kind of go in blind. Yeah. So my mm-hmm. first thought was this was almost like, um, which I, I think this actually predates it by a year or two, but I, I almost got like a Heather's feel where it's yeah, like, like the, the way that death. Dark, yeah, darkly comedic. Yeah. yeah, darkly comedic. Like they're looking at Dealing a body and, and none mm-hmm. of them are really having a reaction. Like they're like poking the body mm-hmm. with a stick, but then when they realize it's, a real body the, the first reaction isn't any of them having a freak out it's just kind of like a casual like oh geez well that, yeah so you know, anyway <laughs> yeah like wow you're in deep shit man even though that's their, even <laughs> yeah. though that's their friend so i was like or they oh. just go back into like the teenage gossip or you know whatever they're yeah they're, and i was like oh that's very strange with, but because yeah. because the the depiction of the dead body is so graphic and gruesome yeah. i'm like i'm like i don't feel that way like I, like this mm-hmm. doesn't feel like comedic yeah. so it was, it's very strange which I like I, I think I like um, yeah I, I definitely am gonna need to dig back into this one but I, I think I like how strange it is because I think that because um, I, I wouldn't and I don't know about you Mark but I wouldn't call this film uh, realism the, the, no. necessarily well but in some ways maybe in, but. in some ways but I do think that the the thing that's kind of most realistic is the the way that when human beings deal with tragedy, it's it's very confusing, and a lot of the time it's presented in film and literature as like we, we find out about some tragic event and immediately yeah. have a cathartic big response. Right. But a lot right. of the time in real life, you know, you hear stories about people like yeah. finding out a, a family member has died and not actually accepting reacting it or, for yeah reacting like they just keep they, reading their newspaper and. So I mean, everyone, like you said, everyone reacts mm-hmm. differently to things and. 
some people would even laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because that's their first gut reaction to something to because out of surprise or shock or whatever. Yeah. So you, you really can't judge it. And that's mm-hmm. part of the reason I say that this movie, even though it is so strange and, mm-hmm. and odd in a lot of ways, it's um, the way that they deal with it is probably more realistic than yeah. a lot of films that we've seen about this, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it is actually based on a true case, which I'm going to talk about a little bit towards the end. But um, so this is based on a, a real event and um, the, the kids in that story, the teenagers in that uh, real event acted very much the same as they do in the film. So it's one of those real life is stranger than fiction type things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but to, to go back to, you know, we talked about the juxtaposition uh, between the, the teenage life and the, the dark things that are going on. And I think that's exemplified right off the bat. So we see that the dead body of the young woman, which is a, you know, very horrifying and frightening image. Uh, very sad. And then, uh, Samson, who is with the body, and we presume the one who murdered the woman, gets up and leaves and drives to the convenience store. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts trying to buy beer, and he's underage. Um, but that's like the kind of, and that's like a normal scene, you know, scene that you would see in a, a teenage film, you know, a movie about teenagers mm-hmm. um, or like a teen comedy or whatever. Yeah. So, and that, so right off the bat, I feel like they estab- established that the film is going to kind of bounce around and, mm-hmm. and make you have these different emotions about things um which is i think a good way to go about it um so so and then so from there we are introduced to uh dennis hopper who plays feck as we mentioned he's uh, an older man drug dealer uh who we're introduced to in his derelict house wailing on a saxophone next to his girlfriend in quotations uh, an an inflatable doll named ellie (laughs) Uh, so that's Right, you know that character alone, I feel like puts this into cult territory. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's he's just so out there and so mm-hmm. bizarre, but also kind of sad. You know, you start yeah. to realize like how sad uh, and conflicted of a character he is. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so he's comes off as very um, not as manic as Crispin Glover, maybe, but he comes off a little paranoid. Uh, supposedly, the cops are still after him because he shot a woman a long time ago, and or what he says was his old girlfriend, and he's clearly a very mentally disturbed man. And uh, but he does kind of hang out, I guess, <laughs> with these teenagers that we're introduced to, both Crispin Glover and uh, and Keanu Reeves, of course. And um, so they're they're buying drugs from him. And um, uh, so not only did did I think of just how strange this movie is, but I it, it not only seems realistic, but also it reminded me of the the film Stand by Me. Yeah, I was um, thinking of that as well. And it actually came out the same year, which I didn't realize at first, but I, when I looked it up, um, it's like, like a slightly older, um, when I say older, I mean like teenagers instead of like younger kids uh, dealing with it. But um, what reminded me of it was the, the one character, Tim, who is the younger brother of Keanu Reeves in the movie. Um, he even says the line, want to see a dead body? Yeah. And that, when it, he said that, it just made me think of, of Stand By Me. Um, so there is, that's another similar kind of movie um, with, you know, these kids dealing with a having a dead body on their hands. Like how do you act or react or, or not react? Um, and, but this movie is more about, I would say teenage apathy. There's a lot of, you know, angst and apathy in the film. Um, and that nonchalant, uh, (laughs) quality we talked about, I, I think someone says to, uh, to Samson's character when he goes to school the next day, like, where's Jamie? And he's like, I killed her. Yeah. And that's that's the next words out of his mouth. And no, you know, just stone faced. Just stone faced. Yeah. And then everyone's just like la- kind of laughing because they don't know yeah. how to take it. But then Samson actually takes them and he shows Matt and Lane the body. 
mm-hmm. um, by the edge of the river, which is where the movie gets its name. Um, and I want to talk about the reaction, Jeremy, because we we hit on it a little bit here. But what did you think of the reactions of the other characters when they see the body? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, it, it's just it's just very strange because I I was kind of waiting for that moment where one of them has a freak out. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like like we we get we get the mix which I, I like I love that they're mixed reaction, but I was just waiting for one of them to realize what it was. But just the fact that all of them just had such a strange kind of casual um just like like, oh, that's that's weird. He actually did it. Like like because yeah. it was like it was almost like they were more shocked that he actually did it than they were seeing a dead body. It was right. like, wow, he wasn't he wasn't full of it. He actually did the thing he said he you did. Also- and you also get that when he said that to them, mm-hmm. like I killed her, like that's something that he he probably he would just say strange yeah. stuff like that all the time. Yeah. 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 Like, um, oh, you have a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. He just yeah. murdered twelve people. And yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> like that's just his his character. But it is, and, right. and, and the word the word that, and I think we probably have said it at least once or twice in this conversation already. The the word that kept popping into my mind is grim. It's just such mm. a such a grim, t- at least at least the first two thirds of the film. Mm. Um, just feels so grim and kind of hopeless to me Um, because it's like you see the police doing their job you know it's it's not one of those situations where it's like the police are ignoring what's going Mm. on as soon as they find out they start taking action but it's just kind of like like it it just feels like these characters are are just living in such a bleak hopeless existence where there's a dead body and all they can do is kind of sit around and and smoke Mm. weed and be like yeah. that's that's kind of kind of weird, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think one of them says this is unreal. And yeah. Then another reaction they had was was they were like saying how it's like a movie. You yeah. Know, how this is all like a movie, which is was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems like the teenagers. This is just another thing to them. Like they see it and they're like, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's because they can't process it fully or or what it is exactly, but when they see the body, it's like you know, okay, and now we move on to the next thing and then, mm-hmm. and it's, it goes back to the teenage politics and yeah, how, we, we see a lot of that in this film with the school scenes, like how they try and govern themselves and the, their own rules and codes they live by and the, stuff like that. The hippie teacher who is talking to them the about teacher, protest yeah. and standing up, <laughs> right. but at the same right. time, he's in a classroom and his message is falling on deaf ears and, mm-hmm. he, you know, and he's saying yeah. all the other hippies are executives now. It, it is interesting that to me that this movie came out in the 80s um, because I think it had a kind of distinctly early '90s feel to it in a weird way, at least in terms of that. the ideology. Mm-hmm. Like I like I could see uh, someone who's into Nirvana just yeah. eating this movie up. Yeah, well, it kind of has that little bit of like a punk aesthetic to it. And yeah, like, and it's like maybe yeah. what would become grunge, like uh, the apathy and all that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so it yeah. does in that way. I guess it does feel kind of ahead of its time, mm-hmm. um, because I, I do think it was yeah, it was definitely hitting a nerve in terms of this idea. Well, it, it has been noted that this movie may be the first depiction of Generation X on film, actually. That's really interesting. Um, I think I read that somewhere. I don't know if it's the very first, but obviously like speculated to be the first or one of the, one of the first. So mm-hmm. that's very interesting that you brought that up because that's definitely something that other people have noted as well. Yeah, because um, it almost feels, in terms of everything else we've watched in the series, this almost feels out of place, um, yeah, which, which is exciting that, that we're finding something like that. Um, yeah, I th- I think the films that we've watched have been all over the place in terms of tone and mm-hmm. and types of films that they are, and I think that's a good thing. I think yeah. uh, v- variety is one of the things that we we strive for this, on this show, and also mm-hmm. at the same time showing how these films are related in a certain way. Yeah, and, and you know, and but doing I, a series on them in that way. But but I would say to me, everything else we've talked about so far did feel very eighties. 
Mm-hmm. And and this this to me just it doesn't totally uh, with the exception of kind of how the characters talk, yeah. Like like it well, does it does feel kind of like it it's came from a few years after it actually came out. In well, a we're weird also way. progressing in in time as well True. as we're continuing the series. So this is our second to last episode, um, but yeah, we're getting on in the eighties now. So it's eighty six when this came out, mm-hmm. and um, so you mentioned the teacher, and I, I found that interesting because. What I one of the things I noted about this film was that this is essentially kids that are in this very grown up situation, mm-hmm. um, and again it goes back to like what can they even really understand about it, you know, because they are so young, um, and then so to continue on with the story, so eventually more teenagers are shown the location of this body, and we keep returning to that that very stark image of her, uh, of the woman's deceased body there, and uh, by the edge of the river, and. Eventually, I think they're going to move her or they, they want to try to move her body. And I think someone's just like, she. I think it's actually uh, Samson who says she's heavy. Yeah. And they just they yeah. just walk away. Heavy, yeah. and, then it, and the next time we see them, they're just playing video arcade games and like, yeah. a, you know, in an arcade. So, uh, yeah, that's again, that tone there. But it's like it's comedic, but also sad mm-hmm. and also tragic and um, kind of scary. Yeah, it's just it's all it's all those things. Um, yeah. And so I mentioned the doll in the first scene that's thrown into the river um, by the by Matt's younger brother, Tim. And we are introduced then to Matt's younger sister. And she is having like, a, I guess, like a burial for the doll mm-hmm. in the backyard. And um, he helps her put the crucifix in the ground. And so there's that kind of symbolism going on, too. That sort of like loss of innocence um, type of thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um and Matt, um, so Keanu Reeves' character, I would say, uh, like I mentioned before, he he wants nothing to do with any of this. He wants nothing to do with the body. He feels very conflicted about it, um, and he, you know, he starts to think about like what is actually going on here. Um, and then from there, we see what is the only brief glimpse that we get into Samson's home home life, um, and he is taking care of his aunt, I believe. Mm-hmm think so yeah at first i thought i know they mentioned his mother died but i didn't know if that was uh just a rumor that had gone around school or not but i think i believe it's his aunt um and um she seems i guess mentally incapable of of caring for herself so you sort of get this other side to samson Mm -hmm. or john as they call him Mm -hmm. uh for a very funny reason that if you watch the movie you'll find out but uh (laughs) so like convoluted but uh so anyway so samson uh is taking care of his aunt and so you kind of see this other side to him and it's kind of interesting in that way. Uh, but that's really all we get as far as his home life. We get, you know, some things that he says later on, but that's about it. Um, and then from there we see Lane who is played by the great Crispin Glover. He actually goes back to the site of, of where the body is and he decides to bury the body himself or what we assume is him burying the body. Um, Later, he's driving with Samson, and they, they see cop cars with their lights on, and they get kind of freaked out. They get spooked, and and um, and then from there, we see Matt showing the police the body, or trying to, because where he takes them to the edge of the river, the body is no longer there. Um, so they um, they actually end up, the police pull the body from the river. Um, so I guess <laughs> I guess um, Lane had thrown the body in the river at some point, yeah. and um, they start to get... Now, I found this interesting as well, this aspect of the film. So Matt is the only one telling the truth, the only one coming out and, and saying what everyone else should have been saying, which is there's a dead woman here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we need to figure out what's going on. We need to figure out, we need to tell the, the family or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he tries to do this, you know, and tries to do what is essentially the right thing. Um, and he is uh, taken in for interrogation. The police are very suspicious of him and they mm-hmm. accuse him essentially of being the murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and he's just basically like, yeah, man, this is what happened. Like, I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, Keanu, very Keanu way. Yeah. And this is very early Keanu, by the way. I think this is before Bill and Ted. I actually think he was uh, noticed because of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and is also why he was kind of typecast into this sort of slacker role. Yeah. Um, because he just plays it so well. I mean, yeah. Just, well, I think, he, I mean, I, 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 I remember um, I, I saw the, the film uh, uh, The Bad Batch a few years back. Um, I haven't by seen that. Anna Lily Armipour and he and um, Keanu Reeves is in that movie and he actually came and did a talk back at that event and I was oh. you know I was kind of expecting him to be different doing a talk back but like <laughs> he just has that Keanu vibe and I think I think he can hide it when he's acting but I think there, there's something just inherent in who he is as a human being yeah because he can him. play all yeah, he can play all kinds of different characters. Like, you know, he could be Neo from mm-hmm. uh, from the Matrix or whatever, John Wick. But uh, yeah, I mean, he had he had a lot of these roles early on, so he was sort of typecast into that. But he, but again, I think he just plays these types of characters so well. And um, so we see that scene with the the police interrogating him, or you know, he's kind of answering questions for them, I guess. And you see this distrust of adults in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, except for Feck, because he's their drug dealer. But mm-hmm. um, I did notice that a lot. Um, there's the parents, like Matt's uh, mother and, and her boyfriend, I guess, um, who Matt's very, very skeptical of, and the teacher and these police. So you see this kind of like adults versus uh, teenagers sort of thing, mm-hmm. which is real. I mean, it's something that happens and goes on. Um, and like I said, even Matt's uh, mother's boyfriend doesn't believe him, and they sort of get in an altercation at this point. And... Um, and then he's with his brother, Tim, who sort of like runs away out, out of the house. And uh, Tim says that he saw Matt on the phone and he calls him a traitor. So that's pretty like, like that's indicative of like how maybe a, a younger kid would view the situation. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, you, you ratted, you called the cops, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, I thought that was interesting. And then the other scene, so with the, this, these other interactions we get, and this is like, so we have this kind of, crazy cast of characters in a way and they're also like unique and strange and, and well acted I thought and then we have these different scenes of different characters actually interacting with each other and some of the most fascinating scenes I thought Jeremy were between Samson and Feck because mm-hmm. these are two outsiders but two very different outsiders and you see how that plays out eventually but mm-hmm. there's the um, are you a psycho scene that they have yeah. when they're when they're by the river um where they're just asking each other that, that question. It's very interesting because you never see scenes like that in movies mm-hmm. and you never really see that in real life, obviously. So yeah. uh, to me, it was just sort of fascinating to watch these two characters interact with each other Yeah, um, because they are so both so strange, but there's that big age difference and, and obviously other differences as well. But um, so, yeah. well, it's weird. Cause in a way it's like the characters in this film who are kind of doing the most off putting stuff are kind of the most human. Um, in certain ways for in sure, certain yeah. ways yeah because um, because uh, like like Matt the Keanu Reeves character I think he has an element of humanity because he wants to do the right thing but mm-hmm. even then like his his arc and how he behaves through that time like I don't know like, like he does ultimately go to the police but it takes him a little while he gets distracted right. you know like hooking up with a girl 
well, in the middle. Say, like, there's even some, uh, yeah, some teenage romance. Yeah, but well, but right? it, but it's like one of those things where it's like, like I don't know, like he, like he, you know, he, he's interesting. But but you think about it, the the um, the the Dennis Hopper character and and John, so Feck and John, this relationship we we're talking about, like they they yeah. have done the most atrocious things in the whole movie, but we kind of get the most tender moments with them. Um, and we right, also, yeah. we also get tender moments with, um, with the Crispin Glover character as well. Um, yeah. even though he's someone who's trying to cover up a murder for <laughs> reasons that I'm not sure he even understands. <laughs> no, I think he's just I, yeah, very, I, very manic and on drugs and, and well, well he, and I, he has, he has like a, well, I talked about that teenage code, you know, yeah. it's like they have their own like rules they live by. And I feel like he very much tries to do that. Well, I think it was kind of just a panic for him too. Well, like, that too. Like, because yeah. it is one of those things. It's like you don't really, which, which is what, what, why I keep going in circles on this. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is one of the, like the most fascinating things or if it's it's just like strange. But but it is like a thing where he didn't have he had probably the smallest reaction of anybody. Lane. To, yeah, like like to to hmm. first seeing the body. Well, yeah. one of the well, I guess he's always acting kind of strange and crazy. So yeah, I guess yeah. That's but but it's a thing yeah. where it's like when when he sees um. And obviously, spoilers ahead on this show. So, if everyone, if you haven't watched it, which if you haven't watched it, I'm sure you're very confused by this point, anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like when he sees um, his friend John dead at the end, he has a visceral reaction, and he cries. Um, yeah. Which to me, like it, that, like, and I love the way um, Crispin Glover played that moment because it was such like a manic little kid cry. Mm. It, it wasn't like an adult yeah. trying to hold it back. It was like he he saw this thing and just broke. It was like, um, that's unfair, you know? Yeah, it's like, like that's unfair, yeah. that's my friend. But, I, but like, to me, it's almost like that's him reacting to both of the dead bodies he's seen. Mm-hmm. It's it's like that like that that one little crying it moment. It catches like, up to him. Yeah, yeah, like, it catches up to him, but it's like, the, it catches up to the movie, too, where it's like mm-hmm. all, all this whole movie where no one's really had any reactions. The people, when people are getting upset, it's over a lot smaller stuff. You know, it's yeah. over a kid not coming home on time to his parents. It's mm-hmm. like 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 the little things people are freaking out about in this movie, but the big things people are relatively calm about, and like mm-hmm. that's the moment where, uh, I feel like the movie kind of breaks, and and the characters in it kind of break, and and we get this real visceral release after all of that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cathartic in a way. Yeah, which which I think I think is is like you said, this is kind of the first Gen X movie is kind of indicative of that. Um, and mm-hmm. and I feel like you know, um millennials have a little bit of this this thing too and if we're talking about generational worldviews where it's like they they just kind of saw so much shit like you're talking about like kids who were raised during vietnam and Mm -hmm. when then they were just seeing crazy stuff just constantly in their lives and they become kind of numb to it yeah um early on in their lives and it's hard to break them and and so that moment at least personally that was probably my favorite moment of the film Mm -hmm. is, is just when we finally see one of them crack it's like how far can one of these people who can handle anything, who's just bored, nothing is exciting. They've seen violence on the six o'clock news every single night. Like, yeah. at, at what point but, does something actually shake that person? Right. Definitely. Yeah, that was, that was a very powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, what you alluded to, Jeremy, was that this movie doesn't really have a main character. Essentially, yeah. um, it's a type of film where, mm-hmm. kind of like she's got to have it, which was the previous film we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of different characters, and you don't know any one character too well. Yeah, which I found interesting. I, you know, there are, uh, I would say, a decent amount of examples of that in film, but mm-hmm. this is certainly one of those. Um, 
but I think it makes sense for this, this type of story because mm-hmm. um, we you know we just get a moment to touch on each of these characters' lives and mm-hmm. and certain certain things might stay with us, but we never really get to know any of these characters that well. Yeah, I would say. that's that's yeah. an interesting observation. Yeah, because I guess in my mind I, I felt like Keanu Reeves the Matt was kind of the main character, but I think that's yeah. just because Keanu Reeves is really charismatic, and I'm mm-hmm. used to seeing Keanu Reeves as the main character. But and but if this that, was like a standard mainstream film i feel like it, he, he would have be been character. yeah because yeah. he, he was kind of I, I think his reaction and and the the arc he went through was kind of closest to how most people would react mm-hmm. um or at least and not, not how most people would react how most people think they would react um right. and, and 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 how he treated it. so it kind of felt like watching it like he was kind of the center of the film but really it, I, i'd be curious and i don't know if anyone's done this um, I'm probably not going to take the time to do it, but if there is like a screen time breakdown on a movie like this, mm-hmm. because it's true, it, it is an ensemble piece. Um, yeah. It's not one of those films that draws attention to the fact that it's an ensemble piece. Um, it, it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. if, if I were to describe it to someone, I wouldn't say this is a film that's about a bunch of different characters. Yeah. Um, it, to, me, to me, it's like the, the main character is almost just, um, it, it's kind of hard to place, but the main character to me is almost the, the feeling. Yeah. Uh, like kind, kind of this this general sense of, of dread like the like the you know is the, the tone to me feels like the main character yeah it's because it's not even like the town which is you know when you talk mm-hmm. about twin peaks it, yeah. it's not it's not even really like the town is the character either it's like mm-hmm. yeah and i agree yeah. like I, I honestly didn't even think of the fact that this was an ensemble movie until almost the end yeah. of the film mm-hmm. um so yeah i agree it's 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 more about the feeling and it just kind of creeps up on you um yeah. as you're watching it but so yeah. it's very interesting in that regard well, in a way, too, I guess you could kind of say that the the young woman who was murdered is kind of the main character. In a way, um, yeah. In sure. a strange way, too, because it is, it is kind of just all about, mm-hmm. she's kind of like the silent main character, where it's kind yeah. of just all about the reaction to what happens to her. Yeah. Um, in, in the same way, if we're talking about a Twin Peaks, um, that the the young woman, what's her name in that? Laura Palmer mm-hmm. is, is kind of kind of in the same way, like, even though we're not necessarily seeing her all the time. She's a Just presence. This, yeah, there, there's this presence, and, and I think that that's a good way of putting it with this movie. Is there's a presence hanging over the movie that mm-hmm. maybe is her, or maybe just this general sense of of death and grief. Yeah, that is really the driving force behind the film more than any single character, mm-hmm. more than any group of characters. It's kind of just how we process intense emotion. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, and speaking of characters, so the characters that that we're following right now in the film, they they kind of um, go for a bit of a joyride, I guess. It's it's Samson and Feck are, are together with Ellie, of course, the inflatable doll, and uh, <laughs> the inflatable Ellie, <laughs> and they go to the convenience store. Actually, the first the store that we saw early on in the film, where where um, Samson tries to buy beer. We see them back in that convenience store, and that's where they run into Matt. And uh, Samson goes like, "This guy giving you any trouble?" Like about the cashier. And Samson ends up pulling a gun on him, on the cashier. Uh, and again, it's just like very nonchalant. And then he just like turns and walks away. Like, it's, and that's it. And like, he doesn't shoot him or anything, but it's just something so eerie about it. And so like, matter of fact, you know, um, and th- these are also like, you, you know, not only are they young and, and disturbed in certain ways, they're also mentally unstable, most likely. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's up for debate, but Samson's character and, and Feck, obviously as well. But um, anyway, so... Matt just is like, whoa, that was weird. Uh, so, <laughs> so they, uh, so also during this time, since Feck is gone, 
which he never leaves his house, by the way. He's sort of like a recluse. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's out of the house, and Tim, which is, again, Matt's younger brother, the, the younger child from the first scene, he and a friend break into Feck's house while they're gone, and they find the mother load of weed in his closet. What I'm assuming was weed. It looked like weed. I don't know. Yeah, um, it kind of it kind of looked like weed. Some, <laughs> some, like... Yeah, they found some substances, whatever it was, um, and they were obviously elated at this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, so it just cuts to the next scene where, you know, again, they're kind of going like a on sort of a joyride. I think Samson sees this as like his last night out because he knows it's going to happen to him, and he he brings it up in a, a scene very soon. Um, but he's I think he's smashing some windows, you know, from store windows and stuff like that so they're mm-hmm. ju- they're just doing whatever and feck seems uncomfortable by the whole thing honestly he seems very uncomfortable um and he's kind of just like holding on to his doll and kind of rocking back and forth the whole time um and then at this point we get <laughs> we mentioned a little uh, teenage romance is thrown in as well just a little bit uh with matt and clarissa is her name um mm-hmm. and uh but they're, even in that scene they're, they're talking about the body uh, they have like a little picnic on the lawn or on the grass um and the kids like to hang out around that river, apparently. But uh, <laughs> they talk about narking. Uh, yeah. So it's almost like it, I found it interesting that it's almost like Matt feels he has to apologize uh, for mm-hmm. being the for being the one who called the cops. Um, yeah. But uh, a line that he has in that scene I thought was really good is he says, uh, "I just keep seeing her face." Mm-hmm. And again, Jeremy, it's like you mentioned, like this is the 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 image of the dead woman that keeps coming back. Yeah. Um, well, and the, and the way they, they framed her, um, like, every time we saw her, um, her face had changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she was kind of, like, decomposing, I guess. Um, so, yeah, coming, coming back to that, it is interesting, because, like you said, I, like one character saying, I just keep seeing her face. Mm-hmm. And as, as the audience, it's the same thing for us, where right. that, that's the image from the film that we keep coming back to as It's well. like we just keep going, like, wait, what about the dead body? Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. Is anyone going to do anything about, yeah. Yeah. So it's like frustrating in a way, but also, yeah, like we said, sort of realistic to maybe how it would be. Um, mm-hmm. So back by the river, we uh, Samson starts taking some, I guess we'll say liberties with Ellie uh, as Feck pleads with him to stop. Um, you know, he starts like joking around with the Ellie doll and, and doing inappropriate things with it. Um, although I guess things that it was probably meant for. <laughs> um, and Samson proceeds to uh you know he gets up and, and shouts over the river and starts shooting his gun um and he starts talking to feck about or he starts talking about feck's murder um the one he had done years ago where he shot his what was his girlfriend at the time and you know samson says like you wanted to show her who was boss and feck responds with i loved her you know yeah and that's the big difference and what feck sees as as the major difference between the two of them mm-hmm. um because samson felt nothing and in fact, you know, this like destroyed him. So mm-hmm. that contrast is, is pretty interesting as well. Um, and it's like in this scene, it's it's um it's like Samson wants to compare and contrast murders. Like it's a yeah. sick, sick game to him or a competition or something. It's like, it's like almost fun for him. Right. You, you kind of get that yeah. idea. Like he gets like a, a thrill out of it, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we actually see a flashback during the scene, uh, which is the first time we we actually see Jamie alive, uh, yeah. first first and last. Mm-hmm. And this is as Samson is describing to Feck um, how he strangled her, and had total control over her. Felt so real, he says, felt so alive. So that's how he describes that, and um, which is you know very disturbing, obviously. And basically, like I said, at this point, uh, Samson knows that 
he's not going to make it much longer. He knows, like, he talks to Feck about how he's going to, how he's going to fry for what he did, essentially. But um, that he prefers that to ending up like Feck, which is another interesting thing, that he prefers going to the electric chair or going to prison instead of ending up like Feck has, you know, with just being very sad, I guess, sort of broken man. Um, and then in the next scene, Samson is sleeping uh, by the river, still, and Feck actually puts a gun to his own head and he starts crying. And this is a very pivotal scene because it cuts away and we hear a gunshot, so we don't actually know what happened there. Um, but then we do actually see Feck returning to his house, so then there's only one conclusion to draw there, essentially, um, that he did not shoot himself, but we, don't, we still don't really know exactly what happened, which I thought was interesting. So, um, and then the two kids, uh, Tim and his friend who had broken in to his house, are still there, and one of them hits Feck over the head, and it knocks him out, and they take his gun. And it's, kind of, it's also like not only the image of this dead woman, Jeremy, but it's like this gun keeps coming back, I notice mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, it's very like, it's, it's, it's like the potential for more harm to be done, I saw it as. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like these characters are already like in this like really disturbing situation and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like this gun is just constantly there and um, Feck is, is always carrying it around with them. And, but it's almost like he doesn't even want to, to hold it. It's like, it's, it's like that uh, significant to him. But mm-hmm. it, it keeps coming back. And so Tim ends up taking it. And um, the police take Lane in for questioning. And this is where you kind of see that the, the walls are closing in on everyone. Like eventually the cops are going to, you know, take them someone yeah. away. Something's going to figure They're going to figure something out. Yeah, they're getting close here. So we, you kind of feel that tension. Uh, and uh, so um, you have that scene with the teacher in the classroom, which I thought was pretty good as well, because it's a little different. It's like mm-hmm. the the adults trying to understand the feelings of the of the teenagers, and mm-hmm. we see Clarissa in class there, and the teacher's so angry, and she's like shouting at her, and and he's like, "Are you upset?" You know, it's like, and yeah. again, it's like the, the surrogate for the audience almost. It's mm-hmm. like, which is interesting because talking once again going back to this idea of generational differences. Mm-hmm. You know, you you take someone from kind of the the love generation someone who's maybe a former hippie, and their whole MO is when something happens, it's significant, and you have to react, and you have to fight, and you have to, you know, come at it, whereas, you know, I feel like the Generation X attitude is kind of a little bit more like, all right, something happened, let's, like, smoke a cigarette and read a book and talk about, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. it's not about the fight, it's about, it's about the whatever, it's just another thing, we're Mm -hmm. above it, you know? It's apathy, it's, yeah, Yeah. whatever whatever you want to call it, it's just, Mm -hmm. what what can I do about it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't even want to do anything about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's definitely on display in this film, that sort of generational thing there. And mm-hmm. uh, and then, so at this point, Lane calls Feck, and he asks him where John is, and Feck just says, John's gone. And that's when the police storm into Feck's house, and they take him away. Um, and so Matt and some others, uh, they see Ellie's body... Um, the doll, the inflatable doll, in the river, and it's stuck on some branches, and uh, they like wonder what she's doing there, and they're kind of, you know, again, they're always kind of hanging out around this river. I guess it's yeah. like, you know, the place to be. I guess, um, but one of the teens, um, he says something in the scene I thought was pretty good. He's, he's just talking about like, you know, got to make the best of it while we're alive, and you know, saying how we could get killed or bombed by the Russians. I mean, there's some Cold War commentary going on here. Obviously, mm-hmm. this was during that time, and so. Um, it's on everyone's mind and, and that kind of goes along with the apathy. It's like, whatever the world's, and I think 
actually Samson has a line and I'm going to play a clip from it in this episode, but you know, he says something like the world's going to blow up anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, that's pretty like telling line, I think for the generational viewpoint, I guess that mm-hmm. they're trying to show here. Um, so, and then Matt tells Lane, he finally tells Lane that he turned Samson in and Lane, you know, gets really angry. He storms off and he's calling for John because he still doesn't know, and he, he finds his body lying there on the ground, and he starts crying, which is the, the scene that you were mentioning, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it leads the others to, to come find Samson as well. Um, John is Samson, by the way. <laughs> I should reiterate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of go back and forth here. but so uh, And then, so at this point, um, not only is all this going on, but then Tim arrives, Matt's brother, and he points a gun at him. And at this point, like, you really don't know what to expect from this film. So I, you know, and I had seen this film before, like, years ago. Yeah. And even I forgot. I'm like, wait, does he shoot him? Like, what? How does yeah, he I, I, was, I was totally I really ready for it to happen. Yeah, I couldn't remember, you know, and I, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it would be an interesting ending, actually. Yeah. Um, but he, Matt is able to kind of mm-hmm. talk him down, I guess. He, but his, you know, Tim's like, Matt, you, you, you shouldn't have hit me, you know, because he, he had kind of gotten on him earlier. Yeah. Um, they were kind of tussling around, but. Um, Matt's able to reason, reason with him and talk him into lowering the gun and uh, you know Lane's just like bawling like like you said like a little mm-hmm. child just you know beside himself just like saying they killed him you know um, and when he when he said they killed him I what do you think he meant by that exactly yeah I, I couldn't quite figure that out I think maybe he thought it was the police yeah um, and it was just a moment where his brain wasn't totally functioning as it should be because obviously if it was the police there would be police around yeah, it's just like they they killed him. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's but it's almost like I don't know. I mean, you could get really <laughs> really yeah, deep you, here, but um, yeah, it's like they. You know, what does that even mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you could say you could say it's police. You could say it would be like the older generation. The, yeah, social pressures. Yeah, um, the squares. You know what I mean? Yeah, a, com- like, a combination of all of the above. Right. Um, or or it's it, just like nonsense. Like he doesn't know who to blame, so he's just saying they. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's it, like someone has to be to blame, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting too with with that that character relationship because I almost like, I almost couldn't figure out what the draw between Lane and uh, John was. Um, like I didn't really get yeah. the sense that they were that close. Like, I mean, like you said, well, it was kind of that that code. Yeah. Of of you you don't you know you don't turn on your friends. Oh, but you that, mean Lane and and John or Samson or whatever? Uh, yeah, yeah. Between saying, the okay. two of them, because it was like yeah. like clearly. Lane has this like deep love for John, but like it didn't seem like John gave a shit about about <laughs> Lane at all. That was the funny thing, and, I, and it's also yeah. like I, I think Lane. I saw it as Lane just loving the outcast. Like he's an outcast, or sees himself as like a rebel, sort of. Yeah, you know? maybe and, that's and, it. and I, I saw it as like he sees John as like the ultimate rebel mm-hmm. or outcast, and in, in some sort of sick way. You know what yeah. I mean? It's sort of like that punk rock thing where it's like you want to uh, you want to be put, different. Yeah, you put someone on a pedestal who's who's like real, you know, maybe they're even vile or disgusting in some way, but you just kind of, you know, you look to that as like a, an example or something. So that, that's how I kind of saw it. Like you said uh, Samson or John doesn't mm-hmm. even you know, he hardly even reacts to Lane. Like he hardly even talks to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah. Like Lane's like crying over him. He's running, he's driving around town trying to help him. <laughs> and like John's like whatever, dude. Like <laughs> like, like whatever. Yeah, like or like Lane's like, "Oh, we should we should move her. Ah, she's too heavy." Like, you know. So but that 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 was the thing that was particularly strange to me and, mm-hmm. and, and intriguing and I'd like to rewatch it at some point and, and see if I can pick this apart a little bit more. It seems like this this girl Jamie who died was in their friend group as much as anyone else. Yeah, it does seem like that. And and that was 
Pre- but then also, what- like, is she or was she? You know, like the way they talk about yeah, everything. Yeah, so. I don't know because it's like everyone keeps saying that like we knew her, we hung out with her, but it didn't yeah. seem like she was anyone's best friend. But at the same time, yeah. she was clearly around. Yeah. And, it's and, like and then that, that that high school thing where it's like everyone knows everyone, but no one really knows anyone. Yeah, no one really yeah. knows anyone. Yeah, because it's like, but but that's that's what's so interesting is, is the the relationships in this movie, which goes back to the idea, I guess, of it not really having a main character because I think if there was a close relationship. You know, if if in the movie, and I guess the closest one we got, which is why I go back to maybe saying I kind of think that Keanu Reeves' character was the main character, is mm-hmm. the, the, the two brothers ultimately do yeah. have love between them, even if it gets really intense and the younger yeah. brother's actually ready to kill him. We do get a moment where we act, mm. where we see real love between two human beings on screen. Yeah, uh, there's be, something because, good there. Yeah. yeah, because it doesn't really feel like any of the, the teenagers are actually really that close. Like, I don't get the sense... Um, What's her name? Clarissa. That like Clarissa and um, Matt after their their night together are necessarily going to go on and, and keep being together. I, I right. don't get the sense that mm-hmm. through all these experiences, any of these characters are going to be drawn closer together. <laughs> yeah, it's you not know? like it's not like an eternal love or anything. It's just yeah, like, like it's like whatever. Like this is what we're doing right yeah, now. It, yeah, it, it, and and um, maybe it, coming back, go like this idea of it being a grim movie, and I think that might be what kind of confused me. Mm-hmm. Is it, it did feel like there was just like like everyone in this movie was very alone. Yeah. It's um it's haunting is what it is. Like it's it's, it's, it's haunting. It's yeah, a haunting it's, film. Mm-hmm. If when you're watching it and when you think back on it, it still is. Um Yeah. But we'll talk about that in a second. I mean, we're almost at the end. This is basically <laughs> the end of the film, but uh, so, yeah. um I just want to cover really quickly just uh, what happens from here. So uh like I said, he Lane is is crying over the body of, of his friend John Samson. And saying they killed him, um, and we talked about what we think that what we believe that to mean. Um, and then from there, there's just a couple more scenes. But we see Feck in the hospital, and uh, what I believe was a hospital, and um, where the police have taken him, I guess. And he's talking, and I I don't even know who we're if we see who he's talking to. I assume it's like a detective or something. But um, he's saying he didn't love her, you know, talking about John and saying he didn't feel a thing. At least I loved her. Um, and he says, I lost a good friend today. And you assume that he's talking about Ellie, the doll. Um, so there's a couple of dolls in this film, actually. I just realized that. <laughs> the doll in the beginning, you know, the one that um, Matt's sister buries, and uh, this doll as well. So that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, so he, and he seems very heartbroken. And, you know, with, with Feck, he is a hell of a character because it's like, he's so strange, but you don't know what, you, you don't know if what he's saying is real. And mm-hmm. I think we've all known people like this in real life where they'll be talking about something and we'll kind of just be nodding along. But really, in the back of our heads, like, this could be complete bullshit. Like, we, yeah, we yeah, have totally. no idea. Um, and he could, and he's so strung out and everything um, and so mm-hmm. mentally not there that really he, this whole story could be made up that he's telling yeah. us about the gun. You know, that's something yeah, that, I had that thought. crossed my <laughs> mind. Right. Which yeah. is, which if that's true, is just even more <laughs> crazy to think about. But um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, and that is essentially the end so that's we have that scene in the hospital with feck and the very last scene is uh, pretty much a shot of jamie's open casket funeral mm-hmm. and that's how it ends with again the image of jamie's body jamie's face yeah and her face body, yeah. and we see and now she's obviously more you know presentable mm-hmm. or, or whatever you want to call it for the, the funeral but that's that's where it ends um so we're kind of still left with that image that image of the dead body still lingering there and uh yeah hell of a movie it's it's uh like we i think the only word really is is haunting it's just very uh very strange and 
you know, we talked about how there's all the different characters and, and um, I, it's a script I think works really well though. I think it's very well written. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I should uh, give a shout out to the writer because he didn't do much besides this. I did look him up, but uh, Neil, am I saying this wrong? Jimenez? Probably Jimenez. Jimenez. Yes, Neil Jimenez, Jimenez probably. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he, like I said, he didn't do too much else. Um, but I, I really thought this the script for this was strong. And as I alluded to earlier, um, this was actually, it was somewhat based on a real-life murder of a young girl named Marcy Conrad. And it was by another teenager. She was actually very young. She was, I believe, 14 when I looked into it. And she was murdered by her, I, I think, boyfriend or friend um, who was 16 at the time. And he, and I believe it was in a small town, much like we see in this film, and he uh, bragged about it to his friends after he killed her, and he showed them the body. And for two days, no one reacted or said anything to anyone, um, to the police at least. So it took two days for uh, someone to finally step up and go to the police, which, you know, when I say that this film is, is sort of realistic in a lot of ways, I think that's what I mean. It's like, this could actually happen, and it did actually happen um, in some way. So, um, and that, but that was what inspired this film. Um, so the writer took that and, and made the script from it. And I think it's a very, it's actually like a very tight script. But it also, I, I liked how it gave the scenes and the actors a lot of room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really good scenes, particularly the scene with Feck and Samson in. Um, I think they're at they're at Feck's house in that scene. Um, and uh, that's the scene I'm going to play f- a clip from in this episode as well in the beginning. But um, I just thought it was a really good scene between the two of them. Just really, really well done. The acting is is is, is phenomenal. Uh, and uh, you 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 forget uh, with with Dennis Hopper, at least I did, how good an actor he is because mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, you know he's a great he's great in this. And I just like was thinking that you know what he's great in general. And I forgot how good. Yeah. He is. Oh, I, I, he's um, he's one of my favorites. I he's, probably ever. Yeah, he's he's like one of the best. Um, he's also is this the fir- is this somehow the first time have we talked about another Dennis Hopper film on this podcast? We have to have right. We or must. Is this have. the first time? Like I was thinking about, it, I'm like we have. To, there's no way. Yeah, we've been doing he shows cult up. Movie cult this long. <laughs> I have not talked about Dennis Hopper. Well, we haven't talked um, about the Mario Brothers movie yet. <laughs> didn't talk about Mario. We didn't talk about Easy Rider. So Easy like, Rider. Yeah, I, you know what? Yeah, I couldn't remember. I was like, did we talk about Easy Rider? I know we wanted to. Um, we wanted I'm sure to, we yeah, will. But yeah, so which, it, yeah, but. <laughs> Easy Rider actually gets mentioned. Uh, it gets name dropped in this. Film. Yeah, which I thought I thought that was a funny thing. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they talked to him, <laughs> yeah, you know, or, or how um, he felt. But but yeah, yeah he's, he's he's done it all. I mean, he's you know, uh, yeah. Apocalypse Now. You know, he's just been in so many. He was in Giant with with James Dean in the fifties. Dennis. Oh Dennis yeah, Hopper. that's right. I forgot. He about that. he, he right. had one of the long. He was in Giant. I was actually looking yeah. at his filmography before, and I I don't I haven't seen these movies or seen them in a long time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know I he was in. He was in like if you look at his filmography, which I know we're going on a little bit of a, a tangent, but just because we haven't well, talked about it's Dennis, Dennis Hopper, Hopper, we have to. Yeah. yeah, just because we haven't talked about Dennis Hopper, he's been in so many movies. He was in um, um, Cool Hand Luke. It says he had a bit part. Mm. I guess he had a part in True Grit with John mm. Wayne. Um, mm. He's. I mean, he's just had uh, the, the trip. Yeah, that career um, was. Yeah. He, yeah, he's he's just had one of those careers that is just. Well, been he's like, like he's kind of like Nicholson. Like I'm sure Nicholson. We'll mm-hmm. get Jack Nicholson. We'll get brought up a lot in this yeah. show, uh, just in general, and he has been brought up in the past, like when we talked about Head, the the monkeys mm-hmm. movie, and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like these certain people that are kind of like cult figures because they they've appeared in so many uh, 
cult films and, and just kind of like offbeat films and stuff like that. So Dennis Hopper is definitely one of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, because he's in, uh, you know, he's in Blue Velvet, like he's, you know, he's just one of my, I would say he's probably one of my favorites. Whenever he shows up, it's just like you're in for, mm-hmm. you're in for a ride. So um, he's no great doubt. in this. And another person, another actor I could go on a tangent about is Crispin Glover, but I will try to restrain myself somewhat. Um, but he is, what can you say about Crispin Glover? He's just off the wall. And in everything he, you know, from mainstream films that he's appeared in. So very notably, most notably, he was in Back to the Future. He played the uh, Marty McFly's father in that film. Um, and he had a huge part in that. Um, but there were some behind the scenes, you know, things going on where he wanted more money or, you know, there's, there's lots of speculation. But for whatever reason, he didn't appear in the other movies. But mm-hmm. so he's just in that first one. But, um, you know, he's, he's shown up in some pretty mainstream things. He's in like the Charlie Angels movies and stuff like that. But it's funny because... You know, the thing about Crispin Glover is that he juxtaposes those types of roles with his more, much stranger roles, much like this one in River's Edge. And uh, he was in Willard where he controls rats. And, and he, he, he's also a filmmaker himself. He makes very abstract experimental films, which he travels around and shows them like in kind of like a roadshow presentation. So he's a very odd and unique character. And he's, he's been very blunt and on record saying that he does the, the larger films, the more mainstream films to supplement his income. And, and so he can make weird films and, and, you know, do the stranger things. And he's very much like an artist, I guess, is, at the end of the mm-hmm. day. So you see a lot of that come through in his acting. He's very uh, off the wall and, um, He's also in a Friday the 13th movie, the fourth one, I believe. But anyway, so that's, yeah. I mean, again, I could talk about Crispin Glover all day. He also shows up in a Lynch movie, by the way, David Lynch. He shows up in uh, Wild at Heart in a very quick flashback scene, but very memorable. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) So anyway, but yeah, so so this cast and also Keanu Reeves, which, you know, again, he's just like, he's always good and he's good in this Mm -hmm. um, in his own way. And, uh, but, but I did want to ask you, Jeremy, since ours, these great performances, um, uh, who was your, I guess, who had your favorite performance in this film? Um, this is, this is going to be a surprise pick. Um, my favorite performance in this film, and I just want to double check the actor's name really quick, really quickly. Um, my favorite performance was the, the guy actually who played John. Totally. And Dora yeah, Samson. I, I was um, Daniel, well. mm-hmm. Daniel Roebuck. Um, and yeah. I say that because Dennis Hopper, I would imagine, is an intense person to um, <laughs> share a scene with. Right. Share a scene with. Not. Mm-hmm. Not. I mean, I. I don't know. I'm not speaking to his personality. I've, I've obviously heard stories, but mm-hmm. just in terms of someone who's like that explosive on mm-hmm. camera, and I so, found myself during the scenes with Dennis Hopper and and this actor Daniel Roebuck, mm-hmm. uh, watching Daniel Roebuck, mm-hmm. and, and really and really zoning oh, in yeah. on his performance. He it, holds his own. Sure. So yeah, something so cold and removed, but also really fragile and delicate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. In, in, in a movie full of yeah. really wild performances, some, for some reason that one actually was the one that really stood out to me. For sure. Yeah, I want to mention him as well. He's Daniel Roebuck. He he uh, mm-hmm. plays John or Samson, and yeah, he he puts in a great performance as well. I mean, like like you said, he goes toe to toe with Dennis Hopper in a lot of scenes and. And just playing just such a different character, but so unique and fascinating to watch in its own way. Mm-hmm. And he, and it's strange because I feel like as odd as his character is, we've all known someone like that. Absolutely. School. You know what I yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought of like at least a couple of people that just like, I hadn't thought of in years, but when I watched this movie, I was like, you know what? He reminds me of that mm-hmm. strange guy who I used to see. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so he has that sort of quality to him. 
Um, and I, I don't remember him in much other than this film, but he is really great in this. And I'd be curious to see maybe some other things from him. But yeah, we, we mm. need to mention him, him as well. I'm glad you brought him up, Jeremy, um, because he needs to be mentioned as well. So, yeah. uh, What about you? Did you have a particular performance that you were drawn to? Um, I mean, Dennis Hopper is the one that I always think of when I think of, well, him and Crispin Glover. But um, mm-hmm. I think Dennis Hopper, like I said, because um, before when I, you know, when we, when I'd seen it years ago, I remembered a little bit of it, but I was like, I just remembered like how crazy it was and, and how, um, how sort of off, you know, I keep saying offbeat, but how crazy <laughs> Dennis Hopper's character is in this and everything. But when I watched it again, you're like, I just had a new respect for him in this. Mm-hmm. And so I think he really was my favorite in it just because not only is he playing such an odd memorable character but he he plays him so well and uh he's very he's so vulnerable and just like mm-hmm. i don't know i just there's something about him that is just so sad i mean everyone in this is is sad in their own way but um yeah, yeah he's the one who sticks out for me um maybe it's the inflatable doll i don't know <laughs> but yeah um yeah but i mean that everyone gives a, a good a good solid performance in it um mm-hmm. and tim hunter i want to just touch on him for a moment and there's really not much to touch on uh he's the director of this but um he didn't do much else besides this film uh, in terms of actual uh, like motion pictures um actually he may have been a, a good candidate for a one-hit wonder series jeremy yeah this, this would have been it well, yeah. sometimes, sometimes there's nice crossover yeah exactly but, yeah and sometimes things fall through the cracks but you know um mm-hmm. we can't talk about everything but um but I, I did find that interesting that he so he directed this film and, and a couple others but he went on to primarily be a, a tv director mm-hmm. still a very respectable career he he's actually associated yeah. like i said with um like with twin, twin peaks and some very esteemed series um which we mentioned already in this conversation but never never had another film um that resonated mm-hmm. quite like river's edge so um so yeah so but and also this was a um, as obviously it's in this uh series so it was a independent film a budget of 1.9 uh certainly not nothing mm-hmm. but still by hollywood standards certainly lower than mm-hmm. most i guess so yeah any final thoughts uh you want to say about it no in- interesting trip definitely mm-hmm. worth checking out uh, yeah i'm glad at this point I'm glad you got um, to because you said you hadn't seen it before this, so I'm glad you you were able to see it. And yeah, no, this is one, and maybe I'm just I, it somehow was missed in my mm-hmm. um, film education, but it wasn't a movie I knew much about at all. It's um, a hard one. It's a hard one to pin down. It's a hard one to to explain. Yeah, so so definitely, yeah. you know, I think it's if if you feel so inclined and you're talking to your film friends about it, mm-hmm. um, pass it along because it's always exciting to revive gems from the past. Exactly, that's partly what we try to do here. So. Mm-hmm. Um, glad we were able to do it with this one and that will do it for River's Edge next we are going to close out our series on 80s indies with the Jim Darmusch film Mystery Train and that is certainly quirky and interesting in its own way mm-hmm. um, I think it'll be a fun one to close the series out for sure yep. so please watch along and listen to us discuss Mystery Train on our last episode of the series for right now, thanks for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult and be a guest, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.